1: Did you know that just from Super Tuesday night, there are still people in line right now waiting to vote?
0: That's what I heard. We should take them some beer. (laughs) We we should take them a couple of pints at least to take the edge off.
1: I'm kidding, of course, but boy, those lines uh, were something else in some of these places two, three, four, five, six hours just to cast a ballot.
2: Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
1: All right. Quick time out here before we really dive into the Super Tuesday postmortem as to what happened uh, here in Texas. Uh, We got to talk about coronavirus uh, before we go further, because, boy, every day we see more developments uh, across the country, across the world. And, of course, here in Texas as well.
0: The World Health Organization says we're close to calling this a pandemic as well, too. In Texas, though, it's not quite, you know, fortunately, fingers crossed, it's not quite as bad as it is anywhere else a dozen cases outside of Lackland Air Force Base. And of course, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio is where the military is quarantining people, including the folks who are getting off that Grand Princess cruise ship in Oakland, California.
1: Yeah, so they've got more on the way there. Of course, last week we heard of the cases confirmed in the Houston area. Uh, And then on Monday we got a presumptive positive. That's the local test before the CDC confirms it, a presumptive positive with a man in Frisco in North Texas.
0: Let's call our, our our health reporter, before we look at the politics of this, let's give our health reporter a call, Sonia Azad, to see if she answers the phone right now. Hey,
3: what's going
0: on? Hey, are you awake? Can you talk on the politics podcast? Uh,
3: Yeah, I'm kind of awake. <laughs> All
0: right, well, wake up a tad. Hey, so, you know, the markets on Monday are going, uh, you know, right down the toilet, it seems like. Uh, Have you changed your your thinking about this, uh, this coronavirus?
3: I mean, here's the thing. I'm uh, always sort of diligent in terms of hygiene. Uh, I always keep disinfectant wipes on my desk. I always wash my hands with soap and water um, for 20 seconds at least. I don't personally have any travel plans, um, which is out of the ordinary for me, but that's just sort of, the way my uh, life has gone um, but these first few months of the year so I mean I'm no more concerned than I was when this whole thing um, you know presented itself and I think what I am concerned about is the speed at which we're finding that this is um, transmissible and so because it's happening so quickly uh, I think that's yeah what gives me pause yeah I think
1: that's that makes sense. yeah I think that's why we're asking you about what your thought process has been because I know that you've been putting out a lot of clear information to people and and, and kind of urging them not to panic but to you know exercise good hygiene and all of that but we're just seeing the speed at which things are happening uh, I will say uh, kudos to you though uh, for the hand washing routine I'm going to admit before all of this happened I, I wash my hands all the time but I don't think I ever do it for 20
0: seconds Sonia, you travel a lot and you've been all around. The the world would you travel right now or in the next 90 days
3: um good question uh which I've been asked a lot and I'll answer it honestly um I do love traveling and I typically take about four international trips a year um I don't have any on the books and right now uh I there are many places I would not go um partially too though Jason because of just what I feel is my responsibility, you know, as a, a citizen and B is a, a health reporter. Um, so yeah, no, no trips to Asia for me right now. No trips to Western Europe for me right now. And, and, you know, part of it too is what happens, even if, you know, I'm relatively young, healthy, all of that, no underlying health issues, but I, I can't run the risk of being quarantined for 14 days if I can help it. Right. So a lot of the tips that were sort of offering to people, um, reduces the risk of exposure, right? Like none of us can probably prevent this 100%. It's so hard to speak in certainties. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't need to, um, expose myself if, Anymore, if yeah. I can help it. Yeah.
0: Let me ask you this. What are you doing differently right now?
3: I'm a little bit more forceful with my parents, um, because they are in the, you know, 60 to 70 age range. There are confirmed cases where they live. Uh, my mom, it, you know, has diabetes and, and heart issues. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, a, a, I press her more. So more than I normally would right now about stay at home. If you don't need to go out and, uh, you know, interactions with my niece and nephew who are four and six also, um, or something that I've been talking to them about.
1: Yeah. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. Right now is the time for us just because of what this disease has shown that it does to older people right now is the time for us to be taking probably better care of mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, those, uh, who are older in our families and to remind them like, Hey, this could hit you even harder.
0: Yeah. Sonia, thanks for answering the call.
3: Yeah, you're welcome. You almost, uh I was
0: right about to take a nap. <laughs> Good. Well, glad, glad we got you. Take care. So,
1: you know, uh, you know, one of the things that Sonia said there that stood out to me. She's an avid traveler, of course, uh, always you know posting pictures of, of you know places uh, far away, the exotic places. And right now, there are places that she's just crossing off the list left and right, and that comes as terrible news, of course, to airlines. And we've got three biggies headquartered here in Texas, that being United, Southwest, and American. And, I mean, they're not alone in this, but, boy, they have just been hurt by what's going on.
0: United has a big presence down uh, where, you know, Continental used to be in Houston. Mm -hmm. But American Airlines is at, what, a five-year low? Its stock on Monday was, I think, closed at $14.
1: You know, I've been looking. I I looked at the top 50 companies in Texas that are headquartered in Texas, And I didn't write down the exact numbers on it, but the vast majority of the top 50 largest employers headquartered here uh, are either at one-year lows in their stocks, but many of them are at five-year lows. This is the way that it starts to touch us all. You may not have COVID-19, anyone in your family, anyone you even know, anyone even in your city. Uh, may not have it because, you know, again, Texas has been largely spared, knock on wood, so far. But this is where it touches everybody, because there is a trickle down when it starts to hit these huge companies, these huge employers. Then you start running into, you know, what's going to happen economically, financially, with jobs, with potential layoffs.
0: And that's where the politics comes into all this. Does What does this mean to the 2020 election, to President Trump? He hasn't been tested with the economy since he's been in office. He's had a, a fantastic economy, something he brags about all the time. This could be a new dynamic and really change the way 2020 unfolds later this year.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and it's not this, of course, isn't just his problem either. You know, we're seeing this uh, with Republicans and Democrats right now scrambling to try to figure out what are we going to do to lessen the pain for regular everyday Americans and for these humongous companies in this country, which are already hurting tremendously. They're talking about things like, you know, setting aside paid sick leave. For workers who don't have sick leave, a lot of us have sick leave, thank goodness, but many people do not. They're talking about paid leave for people who might have to stay home and take care of their kids if we start seeing schools getting shut down. Uh, Enhanced unemployment for workers who lose their jobs. There's going to be a lot of discussion about a lot of these big items in the days ahead here.
0: Yeah, You know, we've seen a lot of headlines about the testing centers that Texas can test for the coronavirus all over the state. One thing that I haven't been able to nail down is... Yeah, we have these testing centers, but how many actual tests do we have? Mm -hmm. I've talked to high ranking state officials who don't know the answer to that, who are trying to find the answer to that. I'm concerned about a lot of these big companies
1: and not just the big companies, but the people they employ. And I don't know how this shakes out when these companies
0: really start to hemorrhage. What's that going to look like? There are huge health implications. There are huge economic implications and big political implications we haven't even seen the beginning of it yet i think and you may be right about that so let's get to the podcast we originally prepared for you guys this is kind of the uh, dissection yeah uh, of what we talked about last week the long lines any way to avoid that when you go to the polls
1: All right, so uh, here we are. I mean, it's, it's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week of recovery. Seems longer, man. I know, after the Texas primary. Uh, boy, what a night that was. I, I say what a night it was, but it was really uh, several days. I mean, yeah, just to get the count all the way through and all of that.
0: For some races, the Democratic uh, Senate race is going to run runoff. Everyone knew it was going to a runoff, but, it, you know, the, the candidates went back and forth. Yeah. It took every single vote to figure out who was going to make the runoff. And Did now you, we're going to have another election in May. So the question is, there has to be a better way to do this. Now, there may not have been enough machines in some areas. The word may not have gotten out about voting centers. People should have voted early, but there's got to be a better way to manage all this.
1: And there is another big, big question that is looming, and I've heard this from a number of people. Is this going to happen again in November? Uh, and so we know the perfect person to talk to about this uh, because she was right in the epicenter of what was probably the the worst zone as far as the lines were concerned on primary night, and that is Diane Troutman. She is the county clerk in Harris County in the Houston area.
0: And if anyone needs a beer, I'm guessing it's probably Miss <laughs> Troutman down there in Houston.
1: Yeah, uh, I would imagine so. Uh, I, so I talked to her a couple of days ago after she had uh, some time to sleep and recover a little bit, and once they finally got done with the count and uh we walked through a little bit of this and there's some interesting things being talked about for november and beyond was this an embarrassment for texas that it took us so long to get everybody through and then so long of course to count the vote after that because it it all ends up so late
4: Well, again, it was an unfortunate, perfect storm, as I said, of record turnout and this lack of a joint primary that caused this. Last June, we met with both political parties to offer them a plan for a joint primary in 2020. We even set up a mock primary to show them the benefits of one line for all voters instead of two. Uh, we warned them at the time that even with more equipment, two lines at each location would cause long lines and wait times. Even the election workers from both parties who attended this mock primary setup agreed that a joint primary was best. The Harris County Democratic Party agreed it was best, but the Harris County Republican Party refused.
1: Are you amazed, though, at the I guess the resilience and and the commitment of so many of these people who stood in line for just unbelievable numbers of hours for a primary election? This wasn't even the general, but for the primary election.
4: I, I am amazed and appreciate the patience of the voters who waited in line and the dedication of all the election workers, the judges and the poll workers.
1: There's been a lot of conjecture that this is, you know, amounts to voter suppression uh, for a lot of these communities where people are waiting in line for, you know, two, three, four, sometimes six hours to vote.
4: At TSU, uh, where they had the record turnout, Uh, This is an example of being unable to project uh, needed allocations. The early voting turnout there at TSU campus was extremely low. The average daily turnout was something between 50 to 100 people per day.
1: So on election day itself, do you know roughly how many people we saw at that location? Did that run into the thousands, you think?
4: Oh, yes, probably. And, you know, the law in Texas is that the parties, both political parties, run the primaries. And that means they decide the locations. Uh, Up until a year ago, there was no location um, in the Texas Southern University area.
1: Is there a movement going forward to sort of make this more uniform and to see if we can get these two big parties to come together so that we, you know, in the future have primaries that don't run like that?
5: Uh, one of the
4: one of the big things I'd like to see come out of the 2021 legislative session would be uh, a requirement that all counties go to joint primaries. And I can tell you that a good number of them already do.
1: So what happens next as we go into November? Uh, do you think we're going to see something like what we saw on, on the night of the primary as far as the lines go?
4: Going forward in November, the November general election, we will have all 750 polling locations open. With just one line. One thing we will be doing additionally, too, is purchasing additional equipment in time for the November election to make sure we have plenty to go around.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
4: Not new equipment, but the same east lights that we're using. Uh, Some counties went to another system, so we will be able to purchase theirs uh, at a lower cost.
1: Like five new units, 20 new units?
4: Oh, no. (laughs) Probably a good 2,000.
1: How many do you have now?
4: We have 8000
1: now. There's this whole secondhand market. Never knew that. Uh, how much does it cost to bring in 2000 of these used machines?
4: That's still uh, in the work <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's still in the process. You know, we have to negotiate with the other counties.
1: Now, who do you buy that from?
4: Like Travis. Okay, Travis County went to a new uh, electronic with a paper ballot. So they had a warehouse full of easelids they were ready to get, get rid of. I think we got them for probably $50 each. <laughs> it was pretty low price.
0: Jason has a fascinating conversation because Harris County, where Houston is, is the largest county. And you hear what Ms. Troutman's going through to struggle through this.
1: Yeah, it, and, it, it's fascinating to hear. And I didn't realize there's this whole black market for, you know, what happens to dead voting machines once they've been retired. They just kind of go sit in a warehouse somewhere and gather dust until someone else says, oh, my God, look at our lines. We need to buy your old
0: stuff. Fifty bucks a pop. That was fascinating to me. You can get a discount on these surplus machines. So there's actually talk in the legislature about getting something done, trying to trying to fix this. There is a freshman state legislator who's also from the Houston area, Jersey City on the northwest side of Houston, Who's actually, you know, considering things. But one interesting thing that you came across and that he has talked about as well is something called ranked choice voting. Yeah. This is when you go to the voting booth and you don't just vote for one person. You vote for your top choice, your second choice, and maybe even a third choice. mm -hmm. So if your top choice doesn't make it, your second choice might make it. So your vote is not wasted.
1: Yeah. And you don't have to keep going back to the ballot box. The thing is, you know, some people absolutely love this idea. Some people point at a place like Iowa and go, that's what happens when you have that. It's it's a mess.
0: It eliminates runoffs. It saves money on elections. And it keeps you from standing in these lines
1: everyone hates.
0: Maine uses it, New York City uses it, Utah, New Mexico, uh, cities in Michigan and Minnesota, Maryland, all over the place.
1: It is an interesting thing, and we wanted to get a guy on the phone to talk about this. His name is Representative John Rosenthal from District 135, uh, as you said, there in Harris County. He's talking about this and some other things that he thinks might have made this primary uh, go a little bit better. Uh, where are you at? Uh, we are at uh, the Cedar Springs Tap House in Dallas, which is right across the street from the uh, Oak Lawn branch of the Public Library here, which, by the way, was uh, the site of probably one of the worst lines that we saw uh, in North Texas on Super Tuesday night. Uh, looked like something you guys had down there in uh, Harris County. We had some long lines. We couldn't have you here in person with us, but we're having a beer
2: on 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 your behalf.
0: We'll, dr- we'll drink one for you. What do you like, man?
2: Well, I usually drink a darker, ah. you know, heavier like stout. I like imperial. Oh, nice! And- oh, nice. wow! That stuff <laughs> will
1: put hair on your chest. <laughs> Jason's having a uh, Dos Equis here. I like to make mine meaningful as well. And since we're talking about what we're talking about today, I am having the pedicolas golden opportunity. So you're a uh, mechanical engineer by trade. Uh, so that's right. Y- you be- bring a very different mind to problems, I- I'm sure. So when you see what we were looking at on uh, Super Tuesday night, the Texas primary, What do you think of as far as solutions go? We've heard from uh, some who say we just we need a lot more machines or we need more voting locations or something's got to give here.
2: Not only am I a mechanical engineer, but my specialty is systems. So systems engineers, you know, deal with systemic things and and we do mathematical modeling. So I'm a serious math person. But this is just a capacity problem. I mean, it's plain and simple. And you could go after that in a number of ways.
0: John, as a member of the, of the Texas House of Representatives, uh, a, a new member, uh, finishing your first term, when the session reconvenes, what, what do you introduce? H- how do you address this, or is it something that you think you might address with legislation?
2: In the previous session, I actually introduced a bill that was that was aimed at making polling locations more efficient in terms of uh, having the joint primary so that whether you were voting on a Democrat or ticket or a Republican ticket, you could go to the same place to cast your ballot. And that would save you on on space, on time, on election personnel.
0: But parties didn't like that idea, did they?
2: Uh, political parties, I don't. Well, Democrat Party didn't have a problem with it. Uh, they would still be segregated. So they just would not be in separate buildings.
0: We're curious about yeah. ranked choice voting. It's kind of a foreign idea to Texas here, but, you know, they use it in Iowa. They use it in Nevada, the different caucuses. Is that something you like, you think, that might work in this state?
2: It is, it is used with great success in other types of systems. You know, in Texas, I feel like we have an endless stream of elections here. We have, oh gosh, we have a general election. We have a special election. We have the primary. We have the primary runoff. It goes on and on and on. It seems like we're having elections all the time. And if you if you employ ranked choice voting and what we've talked about uh, in order to, to to just to introduce the concept, I think um, we're talking about the possibility of promoting a pilot program for certain types of elections. You think Texans would like that? Would you like it rather than having to go to a ballot box over and over and over again for the same election?
0: Representative, what would it take in this state to make
2: that happen? To make it statewide, of course. That's a constitutional amendment. But um, for, for what we were, the discussion that we were having about introducing pilots, it is. it seems to me like it should be possible to do that in very... Limited cases by municipalities.
1: But then the critics of this would say that, you know, maybe, uh, you know, somebody does really well with, you know, getting being chosen as the first choice of a lot of people. But for some reason, they don't make that uh, that cut. They don't get to a majority. And so that name gets pushed down and other names start to come up. And before you know it, you have a candidate who was listed the most often, let's say, fourth in fourth place, and that person ends up going away with the win.
2: But before I would argue that, I would actually run test cases. So I'd like to see data that would show adverse effects from having the system.
1: That's the engineer in you.
2: Well, I test things. Like, (laughs) engineers love to test stuff. I love to break things. I mean, I really am an engineer's engineer. What, What
0: kind of money do you think this would save? Huge money. Really?
2: I'll just say the effort that we go through to set up a voting place and have the workers there and the machines set up and all that jazz. doesn't matter if 2,000 people or 200,000 people show up that day. What we spent is probably similar. So we have a newly elected member of the House who, should she win through all of this, will have gone through five elections in two years in order to be seated.
0: So one of my biggest takeaways from Representative Rosenthal is that there is somebody actually going through this now. Yeah. A woman who has run multiple times in the past few months. It's it's crazy. And still has a couple more to go. And while we were talking with Representative Rosenthal, our producer, Taylor Lumsden, found a number for Anna Eastman. He's quick. Hello. Hey, I was looking for Representative Eastman.
5: This is she.
0: John Rosenthal, one of your colleagues, told us all about you. And I want to see if we could get you on the phone and talk about the trouble you were having with running all these elections. We're doing a podcast about ranked choice voting and joint primaries, trying to eliminate what we saw um, statewide the other night, especially there in, in Houston at TSU do you have a second to talk to us?
5: Okay. I mean, I can talk. I'm happy to it's... talk to you about the number of elections I'm going through. Um, Thanks for letting us right. just
1: like uh, call you up out of the blue like this. And
0: <laughs> hey, want to do a podcast with us? Let, let me ask you this, Representative. How, how would you fix this?
5: Well, I mean, this is a really unique circumstance because my first race was a special election to fill an unexpired term. And so, because the sitting representative um retired early it required a special election and when she announced she was retiring a lot of people wanted an an opportunity and a shot at serving and so i don't know if you know but we had 15 people in the original um
0: special election
5: special election in november
0: so it went to a runoff then no question so that's election number two is the runoff
5: The the strangest part about it was there was the runoff for the special election on January 28th. And then exactly three weeks later, the early voting for the primary, the party primary, to fill the next term began.
1: And so you now are in another runoff that happens in May? I am, because
5: I had four opponents, which makes it very difficult to garner more than 50 percent of the vote and you know y'all have a someone in dallas in the same situation lorraine bearville
4: yes we do she
5: was also elected in a special election runoff on january 28th and she had something like six or seven people in her race and she'll also be in a runoff on may 26th
0: Anna, it seems like there would be a, a much more efficient way to do this instead of putting a candidate like you through so many elections
5: yeah, I
0: agree. <laughs> <laughs> you, you sound
1: um, exhausted. I mean, you know,
5: it would be easier if so many people didn't keep running against me, but <laughs> I also, as a, someone who's run for office, I was a, an elected school board trustee for Houston ISD for eight years. I ran twice. I respect the right of individuals to want to run and serve, and so I think, you know, I don't know a lot in detail about ranked choice voting. I mean, what I've, the little I've, I've heard about it is sounds appealing. Um, I think that would make it easier not to have these runoffs. I mean, it does feel like a waste of resources to have to, you know, turn back around because campaigns cost money, you know. Um,
1: And elections do, too. It's
5: expensive to communicate and talk to voters. And, yes, elections do, and they take time out of people's lives.
1: Do you think there's fatigue, there's voter fatigue then?
5: I think so, and lots of questions about, didn't we just elect you? That was the question we got. After January 28th, we got a lot of questions.
0: You've run in three elections in five months.
5: My joke is I'm going to get the opportunity to win five times in one year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That might be a record. Well, um, Um, good luck on elections four and five. Thank you, <laughs> and thanks for answering I the phone. I appreciate it. I appreciate you answering the what? phone. Oh,
5: thanks for answering the phone. Yeah, I know I have all kinds of people calling me now. I don't always answer. And you called on my landline. So, I I, um. I couldn't
0: find a cell for you. I was looking for one. <laughs> I think it's amazing oh, that
1: you yeah. still have a landline. That's great.
0: Yeah, it, it is surprising that someone actually has a landline anymore. I actually <laughs> got rid of mine uh, what a few years back. But the big question about this is whether the legislature will actually consider this in Texas. A lot of states already have it. New Mexico, Minnesota, Maine, a lot of these places already employ ranked choice voting, and it would eliminate... All these elections, runoff after runoff, et cetera.
1: If you're looking at one of those other places, though, and thinking, man, that goes great. That's what I want. Uh, You may have to move there uh, because it's going to be a while if it ever happens here. Even if somebody proposes it, it wouldn't happen until the next session, 2021. Then it would take some time to implement it after that. And you have to change voting machines to be able to accommodate the ability to write down multiple names so you're rubbing your fingers together we know what that means exactly it's money a,
0: a lot of cash dallas county just got new machines tarrant county got new machines a lot of counties across the state just invested millions of dollars for new machines
1: so chances are it's not happening soon if at all here in texas but there is a there is interest in it in some corners here we'll see where that goes